Hello, welcome to the Transcom North America Tea Time podcast. Customer experience in North America will become increasingly challenging. The Tea Time podcast will give you access to the CX industry's thought leaders and the latest customer management and CX digital best practice insights that will help you stay ahead of the curve and steer your company's growth with absolute confidence. For more information on this episode and other resources, visit us at transcom.com. Today's consumers have high expectations of a financial services provider, namely, treat them with dignity, provide them financial security, and improve their lives through a socially responsible business model. And if your financial services provider or fintech app doesn't meet those expectations, there are plenty of competitors consumers can turn to. Our guest, Silicon Valley fintech marketing executive, P.H. Mullen, is senior VP of marketing for PayActive, with former stints at Netflix, Comcast, Gartner, and many startups. He is here today to share his insights on how to get consumers to choose and engage with your brand and the role of customer experience and employee experience for tech companies, startups, and those looking for growth in 2022. Welcome, P.H. Hey, thanks, Mark. So there's no doubt that the pandemic has altered how members interact with financial institutions. What do you feel is the biggest mistake fintechs are making today in terms of member engagement? Let me just give you a quick context of where I am coming from. So I run marketing at a company called PayActive. It's a fintech in Silicon Valley, one of the largest, and we provide earned wage access. And what that is, is the ability for a worker, typically a low income worker, to get paid the money he or she is earned as soon as she earns it. It's a revolutionary concept for traditional banking. We've been doing it for about 10 years. And on top of that, we offer a ton of financial services and benefits for the low paid worker, all with the focus and the design to get him or her into a position of financial stability. So that's where I'm coming from. And my company, PayActive, is a certified B Corp, which means we actually go out into the world with a double bottom line. First line is to make profit. And the second line is to have social good, social impact in the world. So when we look at the financial services industry, I want to keep it simple and think about where we were before, where we were in the last 18 months with COVID and what the opportunity is as we now think about today and where we need to go in terms of member engagement. So at a very high level, you can picture a traditional bank system where the bank was supposed to be your friend and you would have an ongoing multi-decade relationship with the bank where you would grow your success together and the bank always had your back. It's a very outdated modality of thinking. And today, banks have a relationship that tend to be at best monolithic with its members and at worst adversarial. And when I say adversarial, what I mean is that particularly for my community that I serve, it is incredibly hard to have a successful banking relationship. There are remarkable pain points that I can talk about in a second that make it just difficult for someone to get both feet on the ground and to take a step forward financially when working with many of the traditional banking systems and apparatus. And what I think has happened over the past 18 months is that COVID represents a fork in the road moment in time for us in so many different ways. But one way in particular is that is this. Financial services and other large institutions and categories have the opportunity right now to shift how they have been thinking in terms of member engagement and really reimagine and innovate on where they need to go over the next decade. And that's one 
fork. And the other fork is going to be them going back to where they were before. I come from Silicon Valley. Everything moves forward. Everything renews and becomes innovative if given the opportunity. So I'm firmly in the camp that we are at an amazing moment to improve member engagement and, and think about it in different ways. Fantastic. And I like the point that you raised there about uh, the pain points that members can go through, right? Tell us more about that, you know, particularly those that are underserved. We have 2 million members inside our company who typically are making under $40,000 American per year. And often more typically, they might be between 15 and say 30. These are folks who have been traditionally underbanked or unbanked. They typically have been in marginalized communities. And It is really hard to be underbanked and try to have a successful banking relationship in America today. You have minimum balance requirements for most of the traditional banks. You get dinged if you don't maintain that minimum balance. And you then have very painful stabbing overdraft fees, where in America, the standard is somewhere between 30 and $35 per overdraft. And for many folks in this community, of the, the cohort of underbanked or paycheck-to-paycheck worker, who, which is who I serve, there is an average of three overdrafts per month. Uh, now, that's $100, and if you or $1,200 per year. And if you are making only 15 or 20 grand per year, it's a significant amount of your annual income. And that's just one example of what a pain point would be. Uh, it includes difficulty of getting credit to have a low interest loan. You're dinged and you're punished for not having a large credit history. If you make a mistake with your overdrafts, the damage to your credit score then damages your ability to get a loan at a reasonable interest rate. It just goes on and on to the point where I believe the statistics from the Fed is that 37%, let's just say somewhere between 30 and 40% of Americans do not today in 2021 have $400 of free cash in order to cover an emergency. Today, also in 2021, the average cost of repairing your brakes is approximately $450. So when you are living from paycheck to paycheck in an environment like that, it is as if you are walking on glass. And the overall number of people that we're talking about right now is 53 million Americans who are considered low wage, uh, who are facing these type of pain points and these type of challenges. That's a significant number. So with that, what do organizations need to do differently to engage their members? Let me talk specifically just about banking institutions. And that covers a wide range, but financial services would be the umbrella category. We can start by acknowledging the fact that the majority of people out there and the ones who need the services the most are the ones who need just the small leg up. And that means take away some of the overdraft penalizations. It means remove the monthly minimum balances if you are a traditional bank. There are banks out there that have 15 to 20% of their annual income contributed by penalties and fees. From our perspective, that's the absolute worst way to build a long-standing business. So if I could be looking at the financial services industry and wave the magic wand and say, what could we do immediately to cause catalytic positive change for the half of Americans who are struggling with simple issues like this, it would be to have tremendous educational work. It would have, we call it FinEd, and this would begin on the school systems and it would work with adults to help them get a better understanding of what financial stability 
could look like. It would be to remove a lot of these onerous fees, despite the fact that it would uh, damage a lot of the larger institutions and their top line. Uh, it is absolutely important to do. And then, you know, one of the neat things that's happening around the country, but particularly in Silicon Valley is leading the way, is the rise of this category that's called neobanks. And these are a handful of banks that are targeting the millennial audience and speaking to them in their language, speaking about elements that move beyond just bottom line profit. How are we impacting the world? What does ESG look like? How do we remove some of the fees so we can help the next generation move up the economic ladder? And then in this particular category, how are they being successful doing it? Well, most of them do not have any branches, and then that takes away a tremendous amount of overhead costs. But the bottom line is that we need to be thinking more about a community of member engagement rather than looking at each individual member as a potential profit center. Yeah, that is so true. And just listening to what you're saying, we know that today's consumers continue to expect a lot more from their financial institutions, right? So what strategies of technology do you believe are crucial for those in the financial sector to keep their members loyal to their system. I'm not pushing my own business right here, but I want to push the category of what we are doing. So a company like mine, we provide an obvious tool. If you look at the historic payment cycle of paying workers over approximately the last 500 years, it has almost always been in a two-week uh, time frame. This is feudal in its history and tradition. And we do not need to do that now. There are ride-sharing companies that provide instant access to your earnings up to five times per day, which means someone can give two or three rides in order to get enough money to have money to take someone out on a date. We need to have that type of just-in-time responsiveness with the different financial institutions that meet the individual workers, the individual members where they live. We need to have much better communications. And if we want to convert this into a bit of a CX conversation, I come from the world where you think of UX, which is user experience, moving into CX, which becomes a customer experience, then ultimately that reflects into a positive employee experience in, in many ways. And how you tie all of that together is to think about where we are going right from the moment you're engaging with someone and how you're speaking to them as a peer, how you're trying to work with them in a, a cooperative relationship building way and go where they are, go where they live. And sorry, I know I'm beginning to spin sideways a little bit on that, but what I mean by that is that if you an audience that lives on its phone and wants to have a chat communication, have fantastic chat communications. If we have a CX experience that requires a phone call that then leads to a resolution, it's expected this day and age that the resolution should be covered afterwards via a text thank you message. Uh, and perhaps even, let's get extreme, a follow-up two weeks later saying, hey, just making sure that everything that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is still working out for you. These are small, simple touch points. I recognize the infrastructure required to make them happen, but this is how you start building a more cooperative relationship with the customers you have, the members that you have, rather than an adversarial one. That's so true. And, and they're small, but they make big impact, you know, and they're really meaningful for the members that you're engaging with essentially. So yeah, I really, I really like what you have to say today, uh, BH. And uh, for those who are listening to the podcast, I don't think that they know an interesting fact about you. A little birdie tells me that you actually swam the English Channel. Is that correct? Tell me more about that. You know, the great thing about 
swimming this channel or climbing Everest is that you, you can do it once and then you get to talk about it uh, over drinks for the rest of your life. I, I had the chance to train for and swim the English channel back when I was in my mid-20s. There is a little-known professional sport called ultra-distance marathon swimming, and I was on a professional circuit for several years after I got done with college and had the chance to swim in lakes, oceans, and rivers around the world, and it culminated with the, the grand dame of them all, swimming the English channel. So, I had the opportunity to do that. It took me about eight and a half hours to get across. There are two ways you get across the English Channel. You either go as fast as you can and get to the other side before you freeze, or you prepare yourself for a really long day or days and you just go get into the water and let the current take you. Uh, I, I was in the former category and trained for it for about three specific targeted years in addition to the marathon races that I was doing. And it's a tortured story of three years of not turning hot water on in the shower, of taking yeah. ice baths uh, during the day just to get my body acclimated. And then ultimately swimming up to 40 miles per week um, in, during the training regime. A lot of dedication there. Um, and it actually just brings me back to actually what we've been talking about, about the long-term goal that you had there. You know, the same thing can be applied to member-driven engagement. So I can see why you're doing so well in the space that you are, PH. The lesson that I take from the English Channel in terms of goal setting is how to commit yourself to a long-standing goal. In this case, yeah. it was more than a decade uh, for me to realize what I wanted to do, have a singular focus on it. Then what's really critical for success is that you have your goal and then you work backwards and you find the bite-sized pieces that you can take to move toward your goal all the time and just keep it up in your mind's eye about where you want to end up, but recognize that it is a journey, it's a process, and it all takes time. That's how businesses should be looking. It's how we should be thinking about member engagement, about better connection and connectivity with the people that we're working with. You think about the ultimate goal, you then look at these simple, small examples like the ones that I gave just a moment ago, and day by day, you get a little bit closer to where you ultimately want to end up. Very, very true. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate your time today, PH, and for sharing those insights with us. It's been a really insightful and interesting uh, webinar engagement with you. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And thank you for being part of this podcast. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate all that you're doing. To become more proactive in your CX outcomes in an era of disruption, contact Transcom for more information at transcom.com.